This is the Maui no Ko'oi Magazine and Silver Shark Media Podcast. I'm Diane Woodburn, publisher at Maui no Ko'oi Magazine. And today my guest is Chef Jeremy Solon of Nilo's in Paia. Welcome, Jeremy. Aloha. It's a pleasure to be with you, Diane. No, thanks. It's always nice to talk to you. We have so much fun together. So Chef Jeremy owns a wonderful restaurant in Paia called Nilo's, which is actually your last name spelled backwards. Your last name is Solon. It's a really unique restaurant because it's very, very tiny. Uh, You're a husband and wife team, your your, uh, wife Paulina, and you run it. And it's very intimate and gourmet, beautiful dining. I don't even say gourmet. I want to say beautiful because everything you bring out is just absolutely perfect. So it's it's a dining experience. And it's, and it's also a very small restaurant. So I know that you, you've had a lot of challenges, which, which we'll get into. But let's talk about you for a little bit first. Where did you grow up, Jeremy? Um, I grew up in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, northeastern part of uh, of the state, right outside of Youngstown, actually, in a small uh, small farm community uh, called Liberty Township. And your dad owned a deli, I understand? So my dad's family, yes, owned, uh, owned a couple of different deli businesses, Jewish-style delis in and around the, uh, the Youngstown area. But my father actually himself is, is a physician. He's a physician? Yes, indeed. And he owns delis. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> So you were around, you grew up around food and uh, family environment. Is it, what was that like? Part of my background on my father's side, kind of Hungarian, German, Polish, and on my mom's side, uh, Italian. So both very, very serious food cultures. From the time I, I, I was very, very little, uh, kind of everything revolved around the kitchen and the kitchen table and meals were prepared oftentimes days in advance with a lot of thought love and care for where the ingredients came from, as well as uh, the actual preparation of, of those ingredients. So food, um, and I probably say this all the time, uh, it, 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 it's obviously a, a really important part of everybody's life, but it's, it's, had a, it's held a magical, almost mystical quality growing up in, in, in my life. Well, I, I would attest to that as far as the food you serve, I think, has a, a magical quality to it. It's... Um, not only beautiful, but it's it's absolutely delicious. Everything you prepare, it seems like you you do with love. It takes hours and hours, sometimes days. In fact, I think uh, the first time I came to your restaurant, I had a foie gras that you said takes 14 days to prepare. That is correct. Yeah, the torsion that we do is a long, uh, drawn-out process, probably longer than a lot of folks' uh, process for a torsion of foie gras. But the layering of flavors over the period of time uh, and then the drying and curing of the liver itself just intensifies all that flavor. Uh, so, yes, it does take a long time, but very much very well worth it. Yeah, it's it was it's absolutely wonderful. I remember you said it was marinated in wine and brandy for two days and then wrapped and cured and then poached and then wrapped and cured again and then and poached again, and yeah, poached exactly, again yeah, yeah, um, and <laughs> then sliced and torched and uh, and then you served it with a, a petrosian acetra caviar i think Correct. Yeah, I believe uh, there was a, a gelée with that as well that day, a, a, a rosé gelée. Um, 
some microgreens, I think, from Huomamona Farms uh, on the west side, right up above Kapalua. Always like to give those guys a, a shout out at Huomamona because their microgreens are just absolutely incredible, as are Pawella uh, out in Haiku as well. So many great farms in Maui. One of the one of the great parts of of being able to do what we do is our relationships with the farmers because without them, we you know as chefs have absolutely nothing. And that was just the beginning. That was just the uh, the first hors d'oeuvre. You, you bake your own bread. You're just kind of an incredible person. Tell me how you got into cooking. Where what was your background? What brought you to and what brought you to Maui? Wow. Well, I took a very circuitous route to, to get to Maui. Um, I've lived here uh, for 13 years, so I arrived March 3rd, actually, in 2007. And my background in terms of the culinary world, I, I started waiting tables at a restaurant out in the Hamptons in Long Island called Helena's Tapas mm. on Sag Harbor in, like, 1994. And that was my first foray really into the restaurant business, um, and that was in the front of the house. And soon thereafter, I moved into the back of the house and started cooking uh, with Helena. Um, we then wound up moving that restaurant into uh, into the city in Astor Place in the East Village, where I cooked for a while. And then I got out of cooking for a short period of time and sold computer hardware and software because uh, I wasn't sure I was going to cook. But then kind of really decided that's what I wanted to do uh, when I moved to Chicago. And I worked at a, a Michelin star restaurant, a molecular gastronomy place called Moto Restaurant, which is no longer there, but was uh, was written up a lot and uh, was very, very famous at the time, kind of like in an El Bouilly style. And wound up moving all around the country. I lived in uh, San Francisco for a while, Chicago as well for a while, Miami. Steamboat Springs, Colorado, as well as Tucson, Arizona. Uh, but I came here via uh, Tucson, Arizona, and that was in uh, 2007. I was the executive chef of uh, Hilton Hotel in downtown Tucson, and I had the opportunity to move out to Maui and relocate, and uh, I did. And I uh, never really looked back. Now, you were the uh, executive chef at uh, Ruth's Chris for, I think, eight years, right, in Lina? Well, I, in, interestingly, I was actually never the executive chef there. I, I did cook there for a while, but uh, I, I worked mostly in the front of the house in my time period there. I'm a certified sommelier from the quartermaster of sommeliers, and, and mostly there I poured wine, but I did oh. help out in the kitchen uh, uh, an awful lot. But the bulk of the majority of my time uh, was in the front of the house, uh, actually, at Ruth's Chris. You know, being... Uh, uh, sommelier, you also have a, a great wine list. That's one of the touchstones of your restaurant is the, that you, no doubt. you have wonderful wines to go with your food. And, uh, you know, so it's just a tiny mom-and-pop restaurant. 700 square feet. You have, what, eight tables? Uh, yes, seven tables actually on the floor uh, for a total of 14 seats on the floor. And then there's a chef's bar counter with another four seats. So a total of, of 18 seats in a 700 square foot uh, footprint. Essentially every table is uh, is a chef's table in that restaurant because you're, you're not more than uh, 10 feet away from where the action is actually happening in the kitchen. And the kitchen is completely open. Right, right. And you get the attention that a chef's table would would give i mean you you come to the table pauline serves every course it's it's very intimate and i can only imagine how this crisis hit you you know this has been a a whirlwind of bittersweet emotions we made our three-year anniversary on january 31st of this year and uh you know the ambitiousness of our concept you know 67 course tasting menu for 150 $160 $160 per person plus tax tip, uh, alcohol, uh, is, you know, when you're not a named chef and, and don't have a ton of, uh, of capital backing you up, 
was a pretty ambitious plan, and uh, we were just finally starting to turn that corner, that three-year corner, uh, this past winter, and finally starting to see uh, the, the fruits of our labor, my wife and I, after you know three years of really, really having to grind it out. And I'm looking in the middle of February, watching the reservations not seem right for March. And I'm watching this coronavirus COVID thing going on, but, you know, there wasn't at that point a whole lot of information, but I knew something wasn't right because March is typically a very strong month for us. And I could see the numbers going backwards rather than forwards. And by the time we got to the beginning of the month, I I knew something serious was going on because we were not picking up reservations and reservations were actually canceling. And by the time we got to the middle of the month, uh, we were, we were shut down and just couldn't believe kind of what, uh, what I was seeing to see the whole world kind of shut down uh, in a pandemic is uh, really uh, no better word than surreal, just kind of almost like in a, in a fog or a dream. So uh, especially for us, when we were finally just starting to uh, to turn that corner, um, a real serious kick in the gut. But of course, we do feel horrible for all of the folks that have lost their lives or are, uh, or are sick. Uh, our heart uh, our heart goes out to them. Uh, right. Foremost. At least we. I mean, we're we may not be financially safe, but having your health is a big deal. And having your family healthy is a big deal. So we are all grateful for that. That's certainly nothing more important than that, Diane. And 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 again, uh, our, our our heart just aches, you know, for those who have lost uh, loved ones and friends and family throughout this. It's uh, it's a, it's a difficult time. It's an unusual time. And and like you said, you know, uh, if you have your health, uh, you know, you really have got everything. So yeah. we don't take that for granted. That's for sure. Yeah, well, thank thank you, thank you for mentioning that. That's it's so important to remember. And and there are those so many who aren't as fortunate. So our hearts do go out to those folks. How are I know that you you had to close. I mean, it's it's such a small, intimate restaurant that you you can't put tables six feet away from each other and and still. I mean, can you can you do that? Well, I, I think technically we could. You know, I mean, we've followed uh, we've followed the guidelines since the very moment that uh, that they've been given it to us by the uh, by the federal government, the state, the county, and we are continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. So yes, we technically I think can have people in the restaurant uh, and and keep them six feet away, even though our space is small. But that would leave us at uh, a very, very limited capacity, given that we only seat 18 people at a time. My guess is, you know, the most that we'd be able to fit in that restaurant at any given time is something like four to to six, somewhere in that number, uh, depending on uh, on the distancing. So many moving parts to this, and and the information that you get seems to change a lot. We've actually done some bagels a couple of times over the last uh, uh, couple of weeks. In reinventing, so you're you're getting uh, innovative. You know, we thought maybe uh, has potential for the future in that town. So we're trying to roll the punches and, and, and be smart with uh, with what's happening in the world and moving forward. Also, it's the kind of thing where we pre-order right now so you can pick up. The bags are closed and uh, nobody's really exposed to anything. We only let a couple people in. And I think it fits naturally into, into Paia town where it's kind of an early morning town. We may be, you know, kind of repositioning ourselves to some degree uh, as, as we move forward. But again, we're trying to we're kind of trying to figure that out uh, here as, uh, as as we go. And there's so many moving parts, so many variables to this 
through this whole thing. Um, it's uh, we're, we're we're trying to play it by ear, and, and uh, it's not been easy. No, not much information. It's difficult to make a good decision. So, are there going to be you're going to be able to do your dinners? Are you going to open up? Are you going to, to maybe do pop up small dinners? Or what what do you think will happen? Well, it's you know it's a really it's a really good question, Diane. And I and at this point, I wish that I had a lot. Uh, more firmer answers. Uh, I don't. I, I hate to be wishy-washy. Well, uh, that's kind of what it is. Of matter, it's called flexible. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's called flexible. We, yeah, we're we're trying to be flexible. We think that there's a path forward for us uh, potentially with kind of a, a combination uh, concept where we do something during the day that's a little bit more approachable, something like bagels, if that's what it's going to be. And then maybe a couple of times a month running our, our six to seven course tasting menus or degustation menus. We don't feel like, you know, that was a full-time business for us, you know, five days a week that we were doing. We, we're not sure, at least at this point, given, you know, the amount of visitors that we have here and the fact that there is a implicit unemployment rate and the locals are scared, you know, about their jobs. And then not having any visitors here, it's very difficult to kind of figure out exactly what your plan is moving forward. But we feel like it's a mix of, of a couple of different things to be very, very flexible during these times. It's so hard to come up with a plan without a lot of, a lot of information or, or, or understanding as to who's going to be here, when they're going to be here, how many folks. I mean, you used to be able to figure out from the Chamber of Commerce roughly how many folks you're going to have here on this island. Uh, any given month, you can't really do that right now. So uh, very hard uh, without our visitors to, to figure out a plan moving forward. What percentage of your business was dependent on visitors? The vast, vast majority. Um, I would say in the 85-ish percent oh, oh, range, that is maybe huge. even a little higher. So, um, and, and I, I wouldn't say that that's dissimilar to a lot of businesses in Paia if you see even now many of the shops there could be open if they wanted to be but have not actually opened because there's just not any foot traffic on those streets unfortunately so you do have to reinvent yourself um i was going to ask you if you felt that you could continue a, a small-scale fine dining restaurant in this environment but i think i think you just answered that you know it's something that we're hopeful for and and we're not we're not going to say no or never. We think it, there's a very good possibility. We just, you know, we have to have the visitors here in order to do something like that. For for not the least of which reason is, is that obviously that a lot of those folks come to our restaurant. But then also we have to have the visitors here so that they're putting money in the pockets of our locals who come to us as well. Right. So we uh, can know, afford to go. <laughs> Yeah, it's a twofold thing that we don't have visitors here. It's not just that we don't have visitors here spending money directly in our businesses, but they're not then putting money into our locals' pockets who come and spend money at our various businesses. So without the visitors here, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a twofold problem. It's their money and then the money that they, that they actually pass along to our workforce here that then gets dispersed throughout the community. So Obviously, we want to be smart about how we we allow folks uh, into the islands. Uh, you know, our, our healthcare system is probably pretty fragile, and we don't want to overwhelm it and have a, a catastrophe here. 
At the same time, we have to be smart in that if we don't figure out a way to to move forward with folks coming here, you know, 145,000 people on this island are not going to be supported by whatever our, our current uh, industries are. Yeah, well, we, we do know we are dependent on tourism. That's a pretty constant theme throughout these talks. But and then again, we, we just, you know, talk to some folks who are talking about, you know, a new model for tourism and how we're going to handle that. So I guess all of those things will evolve. And in the meantime, I certainly hope that you are open for business again soon so that we can enjoy your incredible food. It's not just that, I mean, it's just a such a warm and wonderful experience. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely high end, but it's also intimate and sweet and comfortable. It's, uh, it's just, it's just a great experience. So I'm hoping that we can visit you soon. And for those of you who want to know more about Chef um, Solon of Nilo's, there's an article in the March-April issue of Maui Noka Oi. So you can Google that at MauiMagazine.net and see his gorgeous food and read all about it. It's um, it's definitely worth a, a few minutes of your time to, to check it out. So, Jeremy, what do you what do you think's going to happen? I know we've been skirting around that issue, but what about the future for restaurants in general? Do you think that it's it's just going to change, um, or do you think that when some point we'll just get back to normal? What's what's your feel for how that's going to evolve? Wow. Well, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. Me um, too. I wish you had one. I, <laughs> I think you know. I think the world has changed uh, here over the last couple of months pretty drastically. You know, the future of really serious fine dining and and a lot of different types of restaurant concepts that are higher end, I think, is hazy at best. The biggest factor that I see right now is how quickly there is a recovery. And, and, you know, if we get a vaccine, I think that would really make a huge difference if we had one, say, by the end of the year, which there's some talk that is, that is a possibility. So the question is whether or not, you know, we have a, a V-curve bounce back in, turn, in terms of the economy or if it's a slow bounce back. In which case, I think that, you know, I'm reminded a lot of after September uh, 11th, 2001, fine dining had a, a, a lot of trouble uh, after that. And people kind of went uh, the comfort food route and many concepts kind of rebranded that way as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a possibility of something that I think you might see. Uh, people kind of get back to basics when, uh, when confronted uh, with great loss and tragedy. So I see the industry moving that way. I mean, obviously, you see folks positioning themselves and moving toward delivery and you know fast casual pickup type situations, and that may, in the short term, be what it is. But you know, a lot really depends on how well we're able to tackle uh, some of these issues that we have with this virus. You probably won't see what you've seen in the past, but there's a chance to see a lot of restaurants come back in similar forms to what they were before. But if that doesn't happen, or if we were to have a, uh, uh, a spike in cases again, say this fall, without a vaccine and without really good testing, it's going to be very rough for this industry. My heart aches for the restaurant community, for any, all the businesses that are, that are having trouble due to this virus. And, you know, also, I think it's important to, to mention, uh, you know, our, our first responders who've done an incredible job with this whole thing in, in circumstances that are 
uh, unprecedented. Uh, some of these folks have, have really, all of these folks really have stepped up and, and gone way above and beyond. So our, our hats are off to the folks who are keeping us safe out there in really crazy, unprecedented times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, always a big mahalo to the first responders and, and to everybody that's helping each other out. One of the things we, uh, we love about Hawaii is the aloha, and um, that is something that we see constantly, um, people helping out, feeding the hungry, um, our first responders out there trying to keep us safe. So we're very fortunate where we are. And yes. just to, to sum up here, I'm sure it's a challenge, but you know, you're, you're reinventing, you're being innovative, you're doing your bagels, which we're all really excited yes. about. Um, so we will be back in what capacity I, I you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think we're going to be flexible and, and we're going to try to, to, to figure out the best path forward, but we will be back in in, in in some form as we as we figure out how we move along. Okay. Well, how how will if diners want to experience Nilo's, where can they go to to find out what you're doing and when you're doing it? Well, certainly find us uh, on Instagram at Nilo's Maui. Um, you can find us at nilosmaui.com on the internet. Of course, we're on Facebook as well. Just mm-hmm. uh, search Nilos uh, Restaurant, N-Y-L-O-S. You can make reservations on Resi, R-E-S-Y dot com, uh, or their app as well. Although right now, of course, we are not really accepting reservations uh, for our fine dining establishments, which is what that is currently set up for. So, uh, but moving into the future, as we kind of get a better idea as uh, to what's going on, that will be uh, that will be available. So, yeah, follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, as well as uh, nihilismaui.com and for updates uh, on uh, on what we're doing and how we're doing it. Great. Well, we will follow you. I will be showing up for hopefully um, for a dinner soon. And again, um, for folks that want to see how gorgeous this food is, you can look it up in the March-April issue of Maui Nuka'oi Magazine or online at MauiMagazine.net. Mahalo, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm looking forward to dining with you again very soon. Uh, mahalo to you, Diane, uh, for the opportunity to speak with everybody, and our, uh, our thoughts and prayers are uh, with everybody right now during uh, this difficult time. Aloha. Aloha.